Direct from the edge of the lunatic fringe, it's the Raleigh James Show. James, usually it is the Lunatic Fringe, but on Monday nights, we just settle back, do some trivia, and we will do that in the second and third hour tonight. But in the first hour, I want to introduce you to Frank Stallone. And I got a story, but I'll wait till Frank is on to share it with him as to why I knew who he was. But if you do or you don't, you got to see this documentary. And I got a link on it and, you know, forked over the rental fee on Amazon Prime, and it was uh, worth every dollar. I'll, I'll tell you what, because it was just a, a fascinating story uh, in by every measure. So I've got links at Raleigh.net, R-O-L-L-Y-E dot N-E-T, to renting or owning or getting a DVD if you like physical matter. You can do that as well. You can also see the trailer and check out Frank's website at frankstallone.com. Easy enough. And Frank, welcome to WG. Radio. How are you, Frank? Good evening, Raleigh. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I, uh, I'll tell you, it really hit home when I watched your documentary because, uh, well, let me first explain. In 1990, I was doing late nights at KMPC in Los Angeles, and this uh, mm-hmm. CD came in, Frank Stallone, Day In, Day Out. And I, I listened oh, to it, and I thought there were some great things. I started to play it. And uh, the morning man came in, who at the time was Robert W. Morgan, and he said, well, you know who that is, don't you? I said, yeah, he's Frank Stallone. He said, well, you know who his brother is, don't you? I said, who's his brother? He said, Sly, <laughs> he said, Sly Stallone. And I said, who's that? Because I am not a movie person. So as I was watching that documentary where time after time you were labeled as being, you know, the younger brother of, I thought to myself, Uh well, in my mind, Sly Stallone is Frank Stallone's brother because you were the one that made the impression on me. Oh, that's so kind of you. Thank you, Raleigh. Appreciate it. So I might be the only one to say that, but and we're going to play some of your stuff too. But I thought Darlin' should have been a hit when you did that single, uh, that album, and that single came from. Yeah, it. you know they thought that was a, that was kind of a in- interesting situation. But because by the time I'd done my first solo album, I'd been professionally playing for 19 years, so I was really looking forward to it. And Polygram Records, they did something they which I've never seen before. They intercut on the B side of the 45, which I'm sure a lot of people don't even know what this are, but 45 record, they, they inter spliced five songs from the album on the B side. And they said something on the thing that they thought there were so many hits on this, that they wanted to give that. And unfortunately, um, I, I just, I guess I didn't have the right team at all, you know, on polygram records. And it kind of fell short. I was just pretty proud of the album. 
you know, my first song. And then the big band album came out, the one you heard. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was that was just terrific, and that uh, uh, you literally made made a bunch of KMPC listeners swoon with that because there weren't that many folks doing contemporary versions. Well, it's the same versions in many ways, but of songs that most of the people recording them originally were no longer with us. And mm-hmm. when I saw the CD, you know, people like Frankie Lane and Billy Eckstein. Tony oh, Bennett. I love Frankie. Oh, me too. A friend of mine. Me too. I were you I on there him. with Chuck Southcott? Yeah. Well, Chuck Southcott was our program director. Yes. He's a wonderful man. Yes. You know, he he's the one that does my introductions to all my shows. I pre-recorded his voice, and he did it. And Gary Owens did one. So either night, I have either Gary Owens or Chuck Southcott. Well, that's terrific. wonderful guys. Yeah, and of course, yeah. Chuck loved the pop standards. He was he was the perfect program director for that all the way around. Well, he was a big yeah, he was a big supporter of mine. And yeah. still is. We still stay in contact, and he was just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guy. He still is a wonderful guy, you know. I was hoping there would be more CDs like Day In and Day Out, but you never did another one, did you? Well, I did another one, yes, and uh, you did. I can get it to you. Okay, I'll, I'll get Lee. It's the last album that Billy May ever did. Really? Yes. And you know what's interesting? When you read the liner notes, he uh, he, he was, because, you know, I had Sammy Nestico in the first one, who's yeah. a legend, who just passed away, who was yeah. also in my documentary. And Billy May, who gave Sinatra his first, like, number one record, was Come Fly With Me. So it was really interesting. So the only one I kind I missed was Nelson Riddle, but... You know what? For a young guy to have to do albums with those and, you know, the people out there, Billy May produced and conducted for everyone. He went back to Glenn Miller. He's great. Sure. Great. great. One, of the, one of the greats. And, uh, yeah, that was the last album I did and Billy. And he was basically thought he was totally unknown, you know. He didn't even know. Oh. He was surprised they even knew where he was. I go, well, yeah, I know who you are. Oh, yeah, sure. absolutely. Any any fan of the music. And what well, was interesting, because your earlier stuff, like in Rocky, which I had to go mm-hmm. find, because like I say, never saw the movie. But, uh, yeah. of course, uh, you did take you back. And uh, having lived yeah. over a decade in Philly, you know, I had to love that. So, uh, so that, yeah. was, uh, that was terrific. But the pop standards were a real departure from that what set you on that road? Well, I'll tell you what happened on that, because after the the first album on Polydor with Darlin and all that stuff kind of didn't do anything, uh, I lost my record deal. I mean, this always happened. Every group, everyone always had a three-album deal, except me. On RCA, one-album deal. Polygram, one-album deal. So I said, well, what am I going to do? Hip-hop is coming in, or what they call rap, whatever. Mm-hmm. I said, so what am I going to do right now? I said, well... I can do pop standards, which I always like doing anyway, so let me find the best conductor, because I figured in the the way everything was getting so congested, I wouldn't have that much competition, because, yeah. you know, I mean, a lot of the guys like Dean Martin and, and Frank, they weren't really recording anymore, maybe once in a while. Tony Bennett was, but a lot of the greats weren't, so it would kind of give me an open road for, for people to hear my music, and I had a deal with RCA Records, and I swear to God, the day before I was supposed to sign, the deal fell through. That's like the story of my life. So I kind of started my own record label, which was, um, you know, and I got it out there, but it got great reviews. I mean, you know, I mean, Billy May wrote some amazing stuff on the album, like uh, not comparing me, but saying like he got excited working with me like he did with Nat Cole and stuff. Because I kind of gave him free reign to, to yeah. do the album, you know. 
And but but that's what the movie's about. You know, the movie is about uh, you know two steps forward, ten steps back. You keep going. You keep you know plowing ahead. There's no there's no quit. Can't quit. Yeah. That uh, that came through again and again. Uh, one of my one of my favorite lines, and I, I don't remember what you were referencing it to, other than other than a disaster, where you said it was sort of like doing a puppet show following the Beatles. And I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. Uh, that pretty much sums it up in in some cases. And so uh, th- that's really the heart of this, because you're right; it's two steps forward, it's a dozen back. With that mm-hmm. in mind, what caused you to persevere? It, most people halfway through this, and when people see this documentary, and I hope they will, it's only a little over an hour, and it's a lot of fun to watch, and you're going to see a lot of names you know. Some will surprise mm-hmm. you, and some won't. But with that in mind, the theme over and over, this kept happening to you from the time you were a kid, literally on. Mm-hmm. Forget about being in uh, in your brother's shadow or not. Uh, just just you talk about mm-hmm. bad luck and bad timing. Most people yeah. would have said, "Okay, I'll get a day job now." What caused you to keep going? Well, I didn't really have that many other skills. I, you know, I barely got out of high school, and I believe it was a divine intervention. I believe it was a gift from God. You know, because of what the, I mean, I was not a likely character. My father was an Italian hairdresser, and my mother just worked a regular job, so there was no real talent or musical or support or anything like that in the family. So I felt it was a gift, and it was something I loved because you know I came from like a broken home, so. The thing was, it, it was something I loved to do, and I would never got into it for the money. But also, you got some positive attention. You know, when you kind of grow up in a screwed-up household, so you got kind of positive attention doing it. And uh, and I love doing it. I mean, seriously, I believe most people, by the time Rocky came out, I was in, like, for 13 years as far as a professional musician. They would have probably quit within two years after because the pressure, they couldn't have handled it. And because I never, you know, while I never thought I was in any, any, in anyone's shadow, people used to think that, but I never thought that. I just felt I was just up against some tough stuff. You know, I was always very proud of my brother and what he did. It wasn't his fault. You know, he was an outsider, too. And uh, so, and I was not the one that uh, wanted to do a documentary. I was approached to do it. You know, at this point in my life, I was approached to do it. I said, okay, why not? It might be fun. I wasn't wasn't thinking that would have the big release it has and, and getting so much positive um, feedback. I think the positive feedback comes because it's not really, as you said, it's not really a downer at all. It's, it's about perseverance. It's about believing in self, uh, loyalty to the friends and family. I mean, I think it's more about that. I mean, there are a lot of people that have done a lot more than I have as far as, like, uh, success, and they've lost it. They're very bitter. Yeah. They're very bitter about it you know you can't be bitter i mean when i go on stage that's my salvation for me so the covid thing hasn't been that fun for me (laughs) oh yeah no you and you you and so many others all of them absolutely we're talking with frank stallone stallone frank that is is the documentary and again got links at raleigh.net or go to frankstallone.com we'll pick it up right there oh yeah your calls are welcome 888-876-5593 is 8888 raleigh on wgn radio
quarter to three There's no one in the place but you and me So set em up, Joe I've got a little story I think you should know We're drinking, my friend To the end of a brief episode Make it one for my baby So drop another nickel in the machine. WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James, and that is Frank Stallone. And it's hard to pick a favorite from day in, day out, but I think that one always was mine and just, just sets a mood and just a, just a terrific record. Now, Frank, did you pick all the songs on this? I would say I picked most of the songs on the, uh, yeah, yeah, with Sammy Nestico. And, uh, you know, we changed the name of the album. It, it was called Day In, Day Out. And then we changed it to In Love In Vain uh, because I did a whole different cover and everything like that. So it, that, that album. But the one for my baby was interesting because someone said, well, you, you can't do that. That's like Frank's song. I said, <laughs> well, so what? Because not many people record that because it's so related to Frank. So, but I thought we did a different arrangement. And the thing with the on that album in Love and Vain is that all the arrangements are original. So it wasn't like we were copying Sinatra charts or Tony Bennett or Nat Cole charts. They were all like original charts, as is with the Billy May album. And they can all be gotten on CDBaby.com. I mean, all my all my music is on CDBaby.com. And they've been pretty good to me so far for for the last 15, 20 years. So that's where all the music, considering there's not that many uh, music stores anymore. Oh, to, to say the least, and no listening booths, that's out. But No, know, they're not, no. It's interesting. A lot of people actually, I think, have done one for my baby and uh, not done it well. And so when I first got this, and my CD does say day in, day out, so I must have gotten yeah, one does. of the early you ones. Yeah, you got a Yeah, I do. <laughs> and, but when I, when I saw that, I kind of held my breath because a lot of people have done it, and very few people have done it well. And uh, when I heard yours, it was like, oh, thank God. You know, this is, a, this is okay. You know, it's like when people say, the national anthem yeah. i said why can't you just sing the song right you know it's like why can't, why do you gotta do, just sing the song make it yours sing it you know because everyone's always screwing around with stuff too much you know i mean sing as sing it as written but you know i it, it's interesting you know i also have a guitar company called frank stallone guitars because you know, when I started out, I didn't have any money and stuff like that. So what we do is we have really great guitars at really reasonable prices, but they're really great because there's a lot of people out there financially hurting, you know. And I remember as a little kid, you know, playing guitar. That's all I ever thought about was getting like a, a Gibson or a Fender when I was like a kid. Now I got too many of them. But that was one of those things in those days. Well, You know, I think we touched on that in the documentary. You know, we kind of touched on 
you know, I was always a fan. And I'm still a fan of uh, other 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 people. I remember I once I drove out to San Diego to hang out with Frankie Lane all day. Oh yeah, yeah, and that was and he, worth yeah. every minute. And he's forgotten. I mean, this guy had like sixteen, oh. seventeen charted records. Oh, more than and not forgotten. I mean, maybe but more than that. I'll I'll yeah. tell you the thing about Frankie Lane is his stuff when it was on Mercury was just the absolute best stuff. In fact, it had so oh, yeah. much soul. And then, of course, he, he left Mercury, went to Columbia, and uh, the the dreaded Mitch Miller redid all those. And I swear to God, it was a soulectomy. And when you listen to it. If you don't yeah. know Frankie Lane, you don't really hear that. But when you're listening to Lucky Old Son, it's got to be the Mercury version as far as, oh, as, far yeah. as that goes. That's my desire. Yeah. Oh, oh of no, course. No, he, he was actually a very, very good singer. And he had a lot more soul and swing than a oh, lot yeah. of the singers at that time. He could swing anywhere as hard or harder than Tony Bennett. He was much more animated and... Uh, he had great, he had a great voice, he had great pipes, but he was animated. He was actually a, a very good performer. He was very you know he was very passionate type guy. He was a wonderful man. Yeah, and I, I remember a story when he was uh, first uh, going to date his first wife Nan. How uh, Nan? That's right. She thought that he was African American because she'd heard him but not seen him. And oh, God. Uh, I remember when I met her. Wow. Gray. I met her. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's she, was that sick. she wasn't well at the time, but no. she was a beautiful, beautiful woman. Yeah. And, you know, Frankie was one of the guys. He lived a pretty normal life. He did very, very well for himself. He was he was very uh, frugal and he lived very well in San Diego. And, yeah. Uh, you know, he had a really nice house and he had a nice life. And, you know, it's funny. He was sitting there and he was an older gent at that time. Right. You know? And we're just sitting there singing, and I go, God, you can't miss that voice. Yeah. Exactly like you think, you know? Yeah, no, and, he, uh, there was nobody so I've been like very him. Blessed. Yes. Hey, I'm yeah. very blessed, you know, to have two quotes one by Frank Sinatra and one by Tony Bennett. I've got one from Billy Eckstein, yeah. I got one from Frankie Lane, Sam. Sammy Khan. Not yeah. many people can say that. I'm very, very lucky in that sense that. Uh, I was around long enough when 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 they could hear my music, and Sammy wrote the liner the notes too. Oh, good for, for one of my albums. He All did. Right. So we're going to pick it up right there. We're talking to Frank Stallone, and that if you want to give us a call, got any questions? And uh, if you haven't seen the documentary, and that's a lot of people, though it's been doing very well, uh, you will be surprised by some of the things in it. But we're also going to go back to the beginnings, because, of course, I can't, uh, can't leave out Philadelphia Soul and a lot more. But 888-876-5593 is 8888 Raleigh on WGN Radio. Do 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 do, take it back. Yeah 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 yeah, take it back. Do 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 do, take it back. Well take I've been told by do 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 do, take it back. And they all see to take it back. Do 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 do, take it back like before. I don't call this a reason. I just call it believing in myself. Take it back. Do 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 do, take it back. Well, push it back. Do 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 do, you're pushing me too far. I love you for. Do 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 do, what I saw before. I've you and I've held you. 
But I could not say you all of you 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 WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James and that's Valentine. Actually, of course, it's Frank Stallone and if you see the documentary, there's a great story into how he got the name Valentine that I just absolutely loved. But I, uh, I, I asked for calls, and I'll tell you what, you're one popular person, Frank. We'll kick it off with Dave and Glencoe. Welcome to WGN Radio. Frank, so good to hear your voice. Oh, thank there you. Is a, uh, there's a Chicagoan uh, who lived in Lake Forest, just north of where I live, uh, Cynthia Rhodes, who I think you know, you, oh, people sure. know your music, but I don't think they realize how big of a film star you actually contributed in the early 80s especially was staying alive yes well she was married to richard marks i remember they lived out there yeah yeah and and didn't you do like most of the soundtrack yeah i wrote uh and sang nine songs in the movie yeah i'm very fortunate yeah there's a great uh, great story in the uh in the documentary on that as well in terms of how that came about so yeah fascinating i hadn't i hadn't known any of that till I saw the documentary it was worth seeing and and you've done other films correct yeah i've done uh, twelve films in wow. music for wow that's yeah i've done uh fantastic. yeah so it's been a, it's been a good good a pretty good time i must say and a lot of acting. I had when noticed. Are you gonna uh, be able to pl- I was going to say, going to be able to play live again. Good question. Well, when everything opens up. Yeah. Who knows? All right. Well, just a big fan, and thanks for uh, thanks for all your well, thank you. Well, thanks appreciate for calling, Dave. It, I appreciate it. All right. So yeah, I was uh, I was saying that uh, Roger Ebert uh, was referring to your acting as well in Barfly, saying uh, it was outstanding, and that was uh, that was not singing. That was uh, that was a dramatic role, and you were both captivating and terrifying at the same time. Uh, oh well, yeah. So that means that, I did my job. Yes, <laughs> yes, and and did it very well because uh, Roger Ebert didn't throw compliments around lightly. So that uh, that that's terrific. All right, so. RJ is in New York. Welcome to WGN Radio, RJ. Good evening, Raleigh, and good evening, Mr. Stallone. Thank you, first of all, for a very entertaining show. What a joy it is to, uh, to, to hear both of you this evening. I just wanted to say thank you so very much for bringing uh, w- uh, wonderful, wonderful music to us. I've always, you know, it's not often you get a chance to be able to say thank you directly. To an artist, I just wanted to call and tell you, your music is absolutely amazing. Quick questions, if I know there may be other people. Thank you very much. Uh, Number one, was there any particular song choices that you left out? If you ever, number two, if you ever had to do it over again, would you uh, do anything differently? And number three, uh, any particular stories about? Uh, the wonderful arrangements that uh, we might not know about or we should read more of. And uh, looking forward to to picking up the CDs uh, as gifts. Thank you so very much for what you do. And well, uh, thank, thank you. There's great. always songs you leave out because, I mean, there's so, especially in American standards, there's so many great songs. Mm. And yes, there are, you know, when you record an album, sometimes you record more songs on the album 
more you record more songs that are put on the album sometimes i mean michael jackson would record like 30 or 40 songs and narrow it down to like 10 or something like that um i think a lot of artists do that and yes all my music can be uh, uh purchased at cdbaby.com all my albums i have like nine albums they all could be purchased there but yeah sometimes there's um well yeah there's a quite a few things that would might have changed in my career might have you know maybe had a better management team and stuff like that always had a good band you know always kind of strive to have a good live band but um yeah there's a lot of stuff but there's a lot of songs just couldn't fit that many songs on considering i was paying for my own albums after that yeah. you know it was uh cost effective yeah exactly all right well, rj thank you. thank you thank you so very much appreciate thank the call you, uh, yeah, it's interesting paying for your own stuff. Of course, you get to be a lot more in charge than maybe in some other things and making a yeah. lot of decisions. And one of the things I remember noticing about day in, day out is this was recorded in Toronto. And yeah. uh, of course, the first thing I thought of was, ah, CanCon, you know, <laughs> Canadian content guaranteed airplay in Canada. But a while, other than that, why did you choose Toronto? Well, Sammy did because financially it was good and we were using. A lot of the players for Rob McConnell's big uh, band, brass uh, band, mm-hmm. Rob McConnell's big jazz guy. There. So there were some great players on, on, on that album. And it, I guess, you know, and, and one of the guys I worked with, Fred Mullen, was from Canada. So we actually got a pretty good deal. We And we did the album in two days, really. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, now people take two days to get a drum sound. So we basically... <laughs> One day we did the the brass, and the next day we did the brass with the strings, and then I was I was kind of singing live most of the time, and it was great. Sammy Nestico was one of the kindest people, one of the most patient, wonderful person, and just great, you know. And uh, the, he's the last of that era. They're all sure. gone. Sure, I mean, they are. Guys that started out with Count Basie and Tommy Dorsey and Glenn Miller, they're all gone. You know, so they're just, uh, I mean, Sam Mandel died recently. So none of those uh, guys are still around. And I've worked with all of them. I worked with Sammy Mandel on some things and staying alive. Uh, you know, so I've, I've been very fortunate. Yeah, and you were at the the tail end of that when when these individuals were not only alive but still really on it. And you think about it now because every now and then you'll see this day in history, and most of these people would be over a hundred years old today. Oh, and yeah. uh, uh, at the time, did you realize that this was such a finite opportunity? It was now or never. Yes, because I knew, uh, you know, I, I believe, and, and this I think has something to do with the movie yourself. Uh, belief in yourself. Now I paid for these albums, yeah. So it was definitely uh, put your money where your mouth is. I mean, there was no guarantee. I had no record deal. I had nothing. But I believed, you know, I'm I'm doing a record with Sammy Nestico, all original charts. I'm doing the album with Sam with Billy May. I can I'll never I might never get that chance again. So and these were the greats. And like yeah. I said, the only one I would have loved to work with would have been Gordon Jenkins mm-hmm. or uh, Nelson Riddle. Yeah. But uh, my only competition really that was, well, Linda Ronson wasn't doing it anywhere, but she did a really good job. And my dear, dear, dear friend Harry Nelson, I think, did one of the greatest ever touches Schmilson in the night. That was a Gordon Jenkins. That was a wonderful. But um, so 
that I think that has something to do with the with the CD. You know, if, if you believe in yourself, then put your money where your mouth is, and and see what happens. Because I don't know what it would have been like if I if 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 I didn't do it. And, you know, it would have been a shoulda, coulda, woulda. Now both albums didn't do that well, but you never know. Exactly. A lot of people could say, "Hey, man, let's re-release these," because they never really had a shot. And it really is the last album Billy May ever did. So, but they never really—I don't think they ever really got the exposure they should have. I would agree with that. And it was a time where there wasn't much airplay for it left anywhere in America. Radio no. was getting away from the music of what's left of your life and all that. And the other person mm-hmm. at the time when your CD came out, and I was playing it, the other young guy was Harry Connick Jr who had yeah. uh, done a really nice pop standard CD. But then I remember KMPC had brought him to town, and in the show he didn't do pop standards. <laughs> and it was almost like a robot. No, he did like Thelonious Monks. Yeah, right. It was quite yeah, the... I was, a little, I was a little little before him. I, yeah. um, I did mine in 86, 87. Yeah. Well, he's younger than me. But, uh, yeah. you know, Michael Bublé is a friend of mine, and he's, he's a real nice guy. But it... You know, again, Raleigh, it has a lot to do who's behind you. I mean, you know, Michael Buble had, you know, some really, you know, good good people. David Foster had some good sure. people behind him. Sure. You know? and, that, and, that, and that's like with anything. You know, it's timing and the right people behind you for the, the moment of opportunity. And uh, th- that's the way it goes. But you know what? I, I got to tell you, Raleigh, I'm healthy. You know, I'm in better shape than I was. You know, at, at my age right now, I mean, I could still go and do a two-hour-plus show. I'm not even worried about it. But I still have the enthusiasm of a young guy. I don't have that, you know, yeah. old man type thing. You know, as long as my body holds up, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, I feel pretty good. Yeah, listen, my mother, God rest her soul, passed away a month and a half short of 99 years old. And she yeah. still drove. And yeah, she's, she in, she's in the documentary. Yes, she is. I know. And, you know, it's funny. I've lost seven people in the documentary. And uh, so I haven't seen it since then, but we'll see how that goes. And I kept telling the guys, I said, the way people are passing away, let's get this movie out. Or it'll be called Stallone Posthumously. (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't be around to see it, sure. Yeah, I might not be around to enjoy my own movie. Yeah. But, um, you know, my mother's looking down from the stars, and I'm sure she's. She never got to see the movie, but um, she's there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and Danny Aiello, God rest his soul, right. my first drummer, Mark, my agent, John LaRocca, Sammy, you know, Russ Regan, who yeah. signed me to Polygram Records. You know, I drive by KMPC all the time because it's right near my house. Sure. I'm right near Ohio, right there. Yeah, yeah. And very... I don't even know what it is now. I heard it was a country station or something. I, I lost it when it was sports. I don't know after that. But, of course, in the Gene Autry days, of course, it looks so wonderful right on sunset there. And it looks like this big yeah. big building. But unless you're inside, you don't realize that that was a movie set. It, it's not wide. It's a long building, but it's absolutely not wide. Uh, it was great. You know, and it was great about that was, like, Pat Buttram was always oh, on. Oh, yes. Yes. Funniest man alive. And that was Oh, he was really funny, and Pat was great. And I used to go to the Golden Boot Awards, and he was the master of ceremonies. Yeah. And he would get a little off, but he was really funny. 
Oh, absolutely. And that was like Gene's really good friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why he was doing that that little morning thing. And just just hanging out at the Sportsman's Lodge almost all the time. Yes, absolutely. On Coldwater Canyon, of course. That's right. Yeah. They sit there and have their afternoon drinks, Pat, Jock Mahoney, and and Gene. And I met Gene a few times, and he was just just like he'd be. Lovely guy. And so was Roy Rogers. I mean, that's, you know. And so now I spend my time watching Encore West on TV, you know, faith-based films and fun stuff. Sure. You know, there's enough depression going on in this world, so it's, that's what movies are supposed to do. That's why mom used to tell me during the depression. That's why people went to the movies to get you out of where you are. Oh, you're you're so right, and uh, your documentary does that. It absolutely is uplifting, and it's fun. And uh, Stallone, Frank, that is. And again, you can find out more about it at frankstallone.com, or there's links right on raleigh.net, and we'll pick it up there. If you want to join us, 888 uh, what's my phone number? 888-876-5593. There you go, 8888-R-O-L-L-Y-E. And you know, we talk about radio a lot, particularly radio back in the day, and uh, I, I've got a ton of them because there's nothing better than DXing at night and have I got a suggestion for you we were talking about this last week too the CC Radio 2E it's just great Turn, take another radio, put it next to this tune to a week AM station then try the CC Radio 2E and boy will you hear the difference it's one of the best AM FM radios made today with the 2E you will hear things better, louder more clearly and it's also got a digital readout so while I love those analog dials to DX, when knowing where you are on the dial and just tuning it in is just a pleasure. It's designed to receive long-range AM and FM stations and to make weak signals strong. It also gets weather with alert, which makes it a great emergency radio, too. It's from the C-Crane Company, of course. And if you go to ccradio.com anytime or ccrane.com, you will see a ton of radios, and I'll tell you they're all great. But if you're looking for something that is going to make it sound like what you're listening to is right there in the room with you, you will like the CC Radio 2E. And you know, one of the most important things is picking out a radio that you're going to enjoy for years to come. And I can tell you what, I wouldn't part with mine. It's right by my bedside. The CC Radio 2E from C-Crane with the power and the strength to bring the signal in better. It's that simple. To order CC Radio 2E, call 800-522-8863. That's 800-522-TUNE. Or visit them online anytime, ccrane.com or ccradio.com. You tell them Raleigh sent you, and it's also available on Amazon for quicker shipping. I'm Raleigh James, and it is WGN Radio. And 
WGN Radio. I'm Riley James. That is Frank Stallone. And darling, and that's a woulda, coulda, shoulda to me. I, I thought the record was a hit. And uh, um, I, I understand exactly what you mean about there are so many factors behind the scenes that go into play. But hopefully mm-hmm. more people will hear this because I, I, I thought it was a great album all the way around. But I got to ask mm-hmm. you because I'm running out of time and need to, talk, need to talk about Philly because you, you grew up in Philly. So I, I assume you grew up uh, uh, listening to Jerry Blab at the Geeter with the Heater and everybody else. Oh, <laughs> boss. Listen, I grew up I, I grew up in Maryland. I went to Philly uh, later when my mother got divorced in about 1958. But mm-hmm. I will tell you this. I grew up with all the boss jocks, Joe Niagara, mm-hmm. Hyde Lit, Jerry Blavitt. They were great. I mean, I was real. You, you have to understand, I'm from the era where you we were always listening to the radio i mean and and i'm serious i mean this i used to go to bed with the radio and i'd wake up and the radio would still be on yeah of course i remember listening to the skyliners pennies from heaven then i remember (laughs) when the english invasion came in and what was so great about radio then as you know is that all of a sudden you hear frank sinatra singing strangers in the night and then next you'd have rolling stones playing satisfaction then you have dean martin then you have the Love and Spoonful playing. You didn't have to be so nice. So it was so eclectic, and I think that's probably why, what they mentioned in my film, that I really was maybe a little too eclectic for my own good because I really liked everything. So, and uh, I was blessed. I was able to play a lot of different styles. So uh, it was pretty cool for me. Oh yeah, well you're you're right that the top forty used to be just that—the forty most popular music. It didn't matter what the genre was, yeah, exactly. and uh, so when you were listening to to Wibbage, you'd you'd hear it all, which obviously uh, you, you were. Yeah. But of course, you know me—I was going to H A T and D A S. You know, <laughs> I wanted to oh, hear yeah. Jocko Henderson. You know, thing. oh yeah, or Georgie Woods. Yes, the guy with the goods. You betcha. Uh, I still have a, a a bag of Georgie Woods potato chips when he brought those. <laughs> But, oh my God! But you know they were great, man, because they yeah. would have those shows at the Uptown Theater oh, for yes. like dollar fifty. The Temps, the Four Tops, the Impressions, the yeah. Vibrations. I mean, and then you go to Atlantic City, and they'd have all that stuff. And it was really listen. Philadelphia has really changed a lot, but it was a very much. You know, I just did a show with Bobby Rydell. Mm. Philadelphia was such a. a, a Boiling pot. You had, yeah. I mean, you had the spinners. You had the Delphonics, the stylistics, so Hall and Oates. I mean, I grew up with Daryl and John. Then, but then you had Chubby Checker, Frankie Avalon, Bobby Rydell. Just a ton. Oh yeah, music there. Yeah, the silhouettes and all the up So much of it that didn't even chart. That were just great Philly oldies. And so, uh, well, that's where the acapella stuff came in because there used yeah. to be a record company. There was a record store called the Record Museum. Sure, of course. And there were these offshoot little labels called Relic Records. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah, Jerry Green. Yeah, and they yeah. were just doo-wop. Uh huh. You know, so it was like the Crestmen, a lot of white guys, you know, like yeah. Italian guys, like, you know, almost kind of like the Skyliners, that type of stuff. And, and, and 
and that's what it was before the British invasion came. It was more of that stuff. Of course it was. Well, and yeah, that well, well, that was the end for me. And I, well, I was watching the documentary, and as I say, hopefully everybody will. I thought to myself, man, if you were just 10 years older, because you hit right at that British invasion time, and you know, those years were hard. Oh, yeah. Well, because there was so much incoming and a lot of yeah. good stuff, a lot of so much incoming, but I was also there to witness the beginning of Elvis Presley on TV, which sure. which knocked my socks off. I mean, so, and I don't know if we'll ever see, I don't think so, just because with what I'm seeing out there musically, you will never see the no. hysteria of an Elvis or the Beatles or Frank Sinatra ever again. No, Never. no, because Never. we we had that shared experience. All of us were listening to Wibbage at night or waking up with Wibbage in the morning, and now yeah. there are so many choices. I could go on for hours, so hopefully we can do this again sometime. I would love to, and, you know, if friends want to reach out to me at, at, at uh, Instagram. I'm at frank.stallone, and I and I try to get back to all, all my fans that write to me and keep them updated and going on, and I want to thank everyone out there that has that is going to see the movie or has seen the movie and and i hope you walk away with something get get something out of it That's oh i guarantee is. you you will well thanks frank appreciate it thank you raleigh Have all right a great one you too bye-bye and we'll, and we'll pick it up with trivia next on wgn radio